0: Simple Beep, Episode 5, At Ease. Beep. Hello, and welcome back to Simple Beep, a podcast looking back at the history of Apple and the Mac community. I'm Ed Cormony.
1: And I'm Brian Satorius.
0: And we're going to talk today about a little-used, perhaps, feature of the classic Mac OS, which is At Ease.
1: At Ease uh, was primarily designed to manage multiple users' on a single machine or across a network. But I think its legacy is more of an application launcher, very similar to paradigms we know today, like the iOS Springboard or Launchpad in OS X.
0: And this was long before macOS got proper multiple user support, as you may be used to in OS X, which is built on the multiple user support of Unix. And has added lots of Mac-like features, such as the fast user switching. So you can have multiple people using a computer at once and jumping back and forth between distinct desktops. This is a more simple solution for a more simple time.
1: So simple, in fact, that it distilled each user's Macintosh experience to two tabs, one for applications and one for documents. These tabs would pretty much fill up the entirety of the screen and uh, the Applications one was a disgusting color. <laughs> uh, Ed described it as being the color and texture of kitty litter.
0: It's it's a really ugly, pixely, kind of pinkish beige. It's, it's, it's not a good look. And as you said, this is the primary interface for the Mac running in at ease. The Finder is nowhere to be found.
1: It's this big, manila-esque tabbed window that can have up to 20 icons, application icons uh, at a time. And they're surrounded by big gray buttons. So you could uh, with one click open an application versus navigating through different application folders in the finder and double clicking an applications icon to launch it.
0: And I'm looking at a screenshot of at right now. And you know, there's not much here that makes you think that this is a Mac experience, except for the fact that if you look closely, there's the standard Mac menu bar across the top with the rainbow Apple logo and familiar menu names, you know, file, edit, view, special. But everything else on the screen looks decidedly un-Mac-like, especially if you've never used at ease or never seen
1: these previous versions of the system. And in addition to not looking like a normal Mac, uh, it really didn't operate, uh, with the same user experience as a Mac. The other tab, we've talked about the applications tab. The other tab was, uh, a blue patterned tab for the user's documents. And this was mapped to, uh, that user's folder within the documents folder at the root level of the hard disk. Uh, at ease as a multiple user management solution also had different permission levels for users. And at the very basic level, uh, a user could only access documents within this folder represented, uh, of course, by the big blue tab. And uh, there's no trash. There's nowhere to drag a document icon when you're done using it. Uh, <laughs> so I I was going back through uh, all the material we could find online for At Ease. And I, what do you do? What do you do when you're done with a document? It'll just sit there.
0: It'll fill up your 20 megabyte hard drive very quickly. <laughs> exactly.
1: That was a big hard disk for the day. Uh, uh, but Ed found a screenshot where you can uh, choose a delete command from the file menu. So while it's not the same as dragging an icon to a trash where you can change your mind and drag it back out again, there is still at least a way to perform the very basic operations of a file system.
0: Yeah, and I have no idea how that delete operation functions. I, I mean, I presume you get something like a modal dialog box, but I haven't used at in literally decades. And I'm rather thankful for that, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Um, but yeah, with no trash metaphor, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that would work. That seems like something that was very central to... The whole Mac user interface metaphor is that from the beginning, you've had a hard disk or floppy disks represented as icons on the desktop, and within those, you have your files and folders, and then you have the trash. And that's the entire metaphor is you have files over here and you have a place to get rid of them over here.
1: So yeah, for this lowest level of user permissions, you really lost a lot of the appearance and functionality that made a Mac a Mac. And you could start to get some of those back. Uh, I think like a mid-level permissions user would still be in this two-tabbed at ease environment. But in the Apple menu, they could get into familiar things like the control panels for the system or actually navigate through the entire file system of the hard disk through the blue tab interface.
0: I don't think I ever had the chance to do that. I think any system that I was stuck using at ease on, which was usually school lab computers... Never had that medium option enabled. I just can't even imagine trying to navigate an entire folder hierarchy in this system. Although I guess I do do something similar today with using applications like LaunchBar to dig through my entire file system without opening up any windows. So it it could work.
1: I similarly never encountered this mid-level permission. It kind of seems like a weird compromise of the user can change things with the system, but not actually interact directly with the system. Right. Like the question is, who is that designed for? Exactly. What kind of like power, low user <laughs> is out there?
0: <laughs> the low power user. <laughs> Someone who needs to not see the finder, but needs all kind of fine grained control over their files, system settings. It, it's a weird world to live in.
1: Yeah. And then there were the high-permission users that uh, when they entered their password at the AdEase login screen, they would bypass the AdEase environment completely and go straight to the finder. The login screen itself was also stylized a little bit differently than the, uh, the icon and user interface design of the Mac that day. Uh, Ease was initially released with System 7.1P which stands for Performa Only, and we'll get into that in a little bit, in January 1993. So, at the beginning of the System 7 era. So, we, we have color. Uh, the icons, the folder icons, for example, are flat, kind of like how they are now in uh, Yosemite versus at the angle that OS 8 and Copeland style would bring. Uh, but the login screen for At Ease shows these three. Like cheaply 3D rendered geometric pegmen <laughs> <laughs> looking at a computer running at ease. And similarly, the um the icons in the administrator uh the administrative software represented users as little geometric pegmen too. It was kind of a throwback to BOS, which we've discussed previously in our kaleidoscope episodes.
0: Or maybe the other way around. I'm not sure about the, the timing on that, right? With January ninety three, I think. BOS probably would have still been in development then.
1: Yeah, that's a good call.
0: And one other place that these little pegmen apparently appeared was if you had one of these sort of mid-level accounts where you could see a personal documents folder, the individual's documents folder that you were sort of limited to would also have that icon on the actual folder tab. Looking at some more screenshots here.
1: Like we said, uh, At Ease was launched in System 7.1, 7.1p. And until System 7.5, the At Ease software actually modified the boot disk so it could not be overridden. Uh, longtime Mac users will remember that if you boot up your Mac and you hold down the shift key, it disables system extensions. Uh, so you may have thought of At Ease as one of these, but it actually would have no effect. You would still get into the At Ease environment. Uh, Once System 7.5 was released and it had the extensions manager, when you could then hold down space and uh, actually modify uh, very specifically which extensions you wanted to load before the loading process happened, uh, once that was in play, uh, someone who may have wanted to bypass the at ease environment could do so by holding down space. Deep within Apple's support archives, there's the official at ease FAQ. And uh, we'll link to this in the show notes. But question number seven is, students are holding down the spacebar at startup to open the extensions manager. Then they disable, deselect at ease startup. So the next time the computer restarts, it goes straight to the finder. (laughs) How can I prevent my students from doing this? Uh, So like Ed said, um, really the only times we ever... And encountered at ease in the wild were in school environments. I have a personal story where in fourth grade we had, a, I think it was like an LC two or an LC three Mac in the classroom.
0: One of the little flat pizza
1: boxes. Exactly. With a, with a little CRT monitor on top of it. That was the teachers. I don't think personal machine, but definitely the teacher used frequently to manage grades and prepare materials. And, uh, I was the little, the little nerd who would stay after school and play number munchers and things on it. And it didn't have at ease. So I thought I would help her by in- <laughs> installing at ease on this machine and uh, making it like all the other computers I knew in the school. And she had to uh, keep me after school one day and say, like, I don't know how to use the computer anymore because if I want to get it to the way that I'm used to, it asks for a password and I know that you set it up with a password and didn't tell it to me. So I had to uh, disable at ease because it was before the system 7.5 days.
0: I actually looked up at ease in a classic copy of the Macintosh Bible and they have a pretty funny hypothetical situation for when you would use at ease. And this this is one of the big questions with at ease is, who would actually use it? Because I think, yeah, as sort of a access control restriction for a lab setting, it made some sense, although not a whole lot of sense. But for a personal machine, it really wasn't a great user management system. So their fictional scenario is, For example, suppose your parents bought you a Performa to do your term papers on, but suddenly they want to borrow it to write letters and prepare their taxes. You don't want your system to get cluttered with files they create, and you don't want them wasting time playing your computer games. (laughs) Above all, you don't want them messing up your important files through their clunky misuse of your computer. By running the At ease setup application, you create individual sets of privileges for mom and dad, so they each access only the files, applications, and menu commands they need to get their work done. In fact, they won't even see the ones you haven't specified. As you gain confidence in your parents' abilities and their respect for the computer, you can give them the option of (laughs) using the regular Finder. (laughs) They'll always have at ease to retreat to when things get confusing. For grandma, who can't read the fine print on icon oh labels, <laughs> you can set at ease to pronounce icon names when the mouse passes over them, a little-known feature of at But they go on to say, at ease isn't a high-security system, though. Any user can select Go to at setup from the special menu and turn it off. <laughs> and the Mac will start up with the finder the next time that it's turned on. I guess unless you remove that command. There are lots of... Uh, Lots of little weird quirks here. And, oh, the last thing that they said is, uh, if you're a teacher in some fantasy classroom in which all the students have Macs on their desks and they're all networked to your Mac, you can set up privileges for the entire class from your desk using Addies for work groups, which is, I think, exactly what happened in our elementary school. We apparently had the magical fantasy computer lab class. Yeah.
1: Wow, though. All that, uh, all that ageism... <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> it's such a little, <laughs> a little computer manual. Yep. Actually, that's a pretty good segue because, uh, I think initially, well, certainly in, in the situation I described where I set it up on my teacher's like private single machine, uh, I think I encountered at ease as a, a multiple user solution for a single machine, but there was the at ease for work groups product, which let a single system administrator, uh, use the multiple user function of at ease across a network of Macs.
0: And you could acquire a copy of at ease for work groups for the low, low price of $300 American in 1994, which is a
1: lot more now. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs>
0: $300 to completely hobble your computer.
1: Yeah. To turn your, to turn your entire network of machines into kitty litter tabs.
0: Well, this is the thing that I was just thinking about now is that, You know, we had that in a computer lab setting where, you know, it was the mid-90s. And it was, yeah, it was fairly cutting edge that all of us were getting to learn, you know, great computer skills. And obviously, you know, it served you and me well Mm -hmm. for the rest of our lives. But from sort of a pedagogical standpoint, running at ease is a little bit of a weird choice. I mean, your options then were either the Mac or Windows probably running Windows 3.1. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is that the Windows and Pointer and Files metaphor for computing was the dominant thing then. And by going into at ease and really saying to students, you know, this is all you can access is the, the at ease world. You can teach them how to use applications individually. You can teach them how to type and do basic things like that. But beyond that, you know, you're really preventing yourself from actually teaching them how to use a Mac or how to use a sort of general purpose computer for the for the future.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. You kind of abstract away the file system.
0: Do you remember, Brian, in At Ease, could you run multiple
1: applications
0: at a time?
1: I don't remember, but I, my guess is no.
0: Yeah. And well, you know, in one to one extent, that's, was actually sort of continuity at the time that ease came out because, you know, it came out with System 7.1 fairly close on the heels of 7.0. And in System 6, you know, you're still using uh, Multifinder to sort of... That, that was sort of an add-on feature to be able to use more than one full-fledged application at a time. So it might have made sense for people who were used to a one-application model... To sort of, you know, step back to that, like the horribly ageist thing and <laughs> said, you know, like when it gets too complicated, geez, you know, that that seems to be um something that Apple has thought of as an overcomplication, you know, maybe for decades now, especially pushing in later versions of Mac OS 10, pushing uh full screen mode so heavily. Right. And that being the only way of doing things in iOS. Is saying, you know, the easiest way is always to just run one app at a time. There you go, hence the name, at ease.
1: Yeah, there are so many parallels you can draw. Like the the main window for launching applications in at ease is pretty much the same as looking at an iPad today. It's a what a four by five grid of application icons that takes one interaction before it opens into uh that application taking over the entire screen and the entire experience. Yeah,
0: all you've got is a menu bar instead of a dock.
1: That's true. Anyway, there um we were talking about At Ease for work groups. Uh there was a little bit more documentation that we could find online for this and it looked like as it being a a more serious uh software application, it had much more granular and uh I thought cool permissions for the users that you could set uh so rather than having these kind of three blanket levels like you uh you're set in at ease you're in at ease with some system level things or you go straight to finder you could actually lock down uh specific applications so you could say like these students can only open clarisworks or hypercard but not the cd player or um and the same goes for system level things like certain apple menu items certain control panels uh Of course, network-available printers or network volumes. Uh, One thing I thought was cool is you could actually restrict certain removable media, like CDs or floppies. I guess it was on a a volume name match, but you could say, like, only uh, let the students interact with the files on this particular drive, or excuse me, this particular disk, which I thought was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and especially if you could keep sort of a master list of that if you had... Software that needed to be loaded on, you know, needed to be run from a removable disk, then you would prevent people from bringing in all of the sorts of things that we would bring in from home to computer labs in elementary school. Exactly, and, <laughs> and you know, load up uh, Slugman the video game on the the computer in the math math classroom instead of uh, instead of Number Munchers. Yeah,
1: who did that? Who could have that, done
0: that? That would have been me.
1: <laughs> the Administrative software for the Addies for Workgroups also had very detailed uh, usage logs and not just uh, user X logged in at this time, logged out at this time later, but it also would say something like Brian was in the application, Apple CD audio player for 12 minutes and 30 seconds from this time to this time. Uh, so it, it was pretty robust uh, functionality for something that on the surface can seem so limiting.
0: Yeah, information like that. I mean, people still to this day are looking for information like that, either to be you know sort of creepy and spy on employees or something. But also, people like to install applications of that sort just to track their own time, to make sure that they're being productive. And uh, what's the one? Rescue Time is a modern application that performs that exact same function, and I know people who swear by it. Especially if they're you know trying to get a big project done and they want to make sure that they're not in tweetbot all day, mm-hmm. and or you know I think they will also now you know the more modern version is to you can also check you know website usage you know active tabs on websites by domain so you can see that oh yeah you know I spent I spent four hours on Facebook today and now none of my work is done yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's actually really useful. The question is, you know, what would be the trade-off in terms of the features you gain versus the features you lose? Oh man, the Apple CD audio player. I know, right? <laughs> I remember that thing. It w- it was green. Uh-huh. Or I think you could
1: customize it,
0: maybe? Oh yeah, it, later on it had had uh had colors. And the thing that I remember about it was that it was really basic and it basically just gave very simple hardware calls to the CD drive, and all of the audio decoding was done in hardware. And so if you had a CD playing music, and you hard crashed your Mac, it would just keep playing until you decided to restart. <laughs> it was like the one thing that could survive an awful System 7 crash.
1: Uh, I mentioned that in at ease for work groups, you could see uh, or you could interact with removable media like CDs and floppy disks. Uh, there are screenshots that if um, if you were still in the, the visual at ease environment, instead of being kicked straight to Finder, uh, they would have separate tabs for these, which added a lovely bright pink and a kind of forest green, uh, pink for CDs and green for floppies.
0: Man, couldn't they have gone with the pleasing pink for the <laughs> default tab instead of the
1: putrid pink? <laughs> you would think. Apple's the design, known for their design, but not this time at ease is clearly not still with us it actually didn't even make it to the end of the classic mac os because in os 9 there was native system level support for multiple users which did function a lot like the original at ease
0: yeah and i think it's good that it was replaced with this you know this was probably more what people were looking for they really wanted a robust secure way to manage multiple users on a single Mac, whether it was networked for a whole company or a whole school or whether you just wanted to have, you know, mom and dad and
1: grandma. (laughs) It went back to kind of the three levels of general permissions. There was a limited finder. Wasn't it called simple finder? Yeah, simple finder, Uh, the full regular finder or something called panels. And what do you think panels looked like? It was pretty much like at ease, except you weren't limited to having uh, just one tab, like your applications tab at the time. Instead, the screen was divided into columns, uh, one for each tab, so you could see your kind of panel of applications at the same time as your panel for your documents, the panel for, uh, I guess in one case, your desktop folder, which is weird that you would have this very desktop like metaphor representing your desktop folder, but anyway.
0: Well, then we went full on in OS X where the desktop is just a folder, and you can open it up in list view and really confuse
1: people. <laughs> that's yeah, that's very true. And uh, a panel maybe for removable media or a, a shared documents folder on the disk.
0: I don't think I've ever seen that view. Not even not even in a screenshot. We'll we'll have to get one and put one of those in show notes.
1: Yeah, I saw I saw one right before we started recording. It's a uh, it. It's not like overly designed like at ease was with uh, with a tiled pattern, but it still uses color significantly.
0: So, Brian, we're going to do something a little bit new this week. All right. We're, we're still a, a pretty young, small podcast, so we don't have any sponsors. But there are lots of podcasts out there that do have sponsors and they always want to tell you about a product that they like. So, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna tell you, Brian, and all our listeners, about a product that we think you would have liked. <laughs> so this, this week's episode is definitely not brought to you by Ram Doubler2 from Connectix. Oh my god. <laughs> Ram doubler 2, contrary to its name, lets you triple your memory. It works with as little as 8 megabytes or as much as 84 megabytes. It lets you choose the right amount of additional memory you need. It installs in seconds and works automatically every time you start your Macintosh. Memory compression is up to twice as fast as the original award-winning RAM Doubler 1.x and it is com- compatible with the full range of Macintosh hardware. It can be yours for the low low price of $59 American and owners of RAM Doubler 1 are eligible for a $25 rebate. Unfortunately, that offer expired at the end of December 1996. So, thank you to Connectix for not sponsoring Simple Beep. We think you'll love Ram Doubler too.
1: <laughs> uh, did you ever actually have that on your home machine? Oh yeah, we we
0: we swore by Ram Doubler. And I was just thinking about this. Uh, I wonder, like, how many of our crashes were due to RAM Doubler?
1: This may be a very dumb question, because I never, I never had it. How is it different from the system's virtual memory?
0: First of all, it existed before virtual memory was an OS feature. That was, you know, the big allure of it was that you could do this before virtual memory was part of System 7. Okay. And then virtual memory was added in... I forget which version of System 7, and Connectix needed to to get people to keep buying their software. So they upped the limit from double to triple. (laughs) I'm not sure. I think that it used some memory compression in addition to virtual memory. Okay. So it could do a limited amount without having to page to disk, which of course was going to be massively slow. Yeah. And I think that was how it worked. So it actually had a memory compression algorithm. And of course, in, uh, was it Mavericks or Yosemite? I think it was Mavericks. Mavericks added back uh, memory compression. So now that's, uh, everything goes around, comes around. Yeah. We've covered the major features of AdEase, but if you look at Adies, you can't help but see that some of the features and appearance of it, has continued through Apple products for a long, long time. And we'd like to go through some of that history as well, all the way up to the present day.
1: Let's say we're past at ease and we're now living in a world of just the classic Finder. Usually you would launch an application by navigating through the file system, uh, you know, double clicking on an icon of a folder or a volume to open it in its own window. Then usually, you know, double-clicking on additional folders until you get to the application you want or the document you want and double-clicking it. But At Ease introduced the concept of having an omnipresent window with uh, big buttons that you could just click once and it would launch. Uh, so there was something, uh, a control panel, part of the system, so you could use it while you are in the Finder, called Launcher that uh, preserved this idea. It actually predated At Ease a little bit, but uh, Ed and I both agreed that we never used Launcher before At Ease. It was only after.
0: Yeah, well, it was another one of these Performa-only features. And the Performa line was Apple's consumer-directed line of Macs, and they were trying to make the Mac as simple and friendly as possible, including lots of bundled software and these extra features that they thought would make it more accessible to people. It was, you know, it, it's kind of ridiculous to say, but it was the iPad of the early Mac line. You know, maybe maybe you don't need a full Mac. Maybe a Performa will be better for you. And so the launcher feature came out in that early on, but I never really had access to Performa until later on. My family's first Mac was a Power Mac 6100, and all the Macs that were in school, like you said, Brian, a lot of LCs um, because if you remember, the LC literally stood for low cost. Yep. <laughs> so all, you know anyone who's buying Max in bulk, you know, to outfit a whole school or a whole lab or a whole office, that that was a good option. But the launcher feature, then, as several of these performa-only features did, got m- rolled into the general release of macOS. In System 7.5, I think that was also when Apple was trying to make it so there really was only one canonical version of macOS that ran on all their hardware. If you recall, in the System 7.1 days, you also had to have the enabler file Mm -hmm. in the system folder. And if you you could you know, sort of freely copy system folders here and there to different disks, and then that would be a valid startup disk. But if you took that disk to another computer that wasn't the same model and didn't have the right enabler, you would not be able to boot up. So in System 7.5, I think all of that went out the window, and you know that made it harder to have these, these system features that were tied to specific product lines. So some of them probably got scrapped, but the launcher got kept.
1: So just to recap, the launcher uh, is a control panel. It lived alongside the other control panels. But instead of opening a window with uh, settings to change that affected your Mac, it just opened basically a small, different-looking at-ease window with a a row, a grid of buttons that represented either application icons or document icons.
0: Yeah, and unlike the at-ease folders that filled the whole screen... This behaved like a regular finder window. And if you resized it, the buttons would sort of reflow to appear as many as you could fit in the window. And you could put tons and tons of icons in there, buttons in there. And if they didn't fit in the window, you got a scroll bar.
1: And you could have, uh, you could put an alias to anything you wanted really in the launcher. It was directly mapped to a folder in the system folder called launcher items, Uh, anything directly dropped in the launcher items folder would appear in a tab on the launcher called applications, but you could create your own tabs and name them whatever you want. You just had to start that folder's name with a bullet option eight on the keyboard as you could have a tab for documents. You could have a tab for games, a tab for internet specific applications. I saw in a bunch of the screenshots because it was still a novelty back then.
0: Uh, That's such a hacky way to do it with the bullet. It's interesting, but I do remember that you could put a plain folder in there. Like, say you're working on a project and you wanted quick access to that project folder. Well, you put the project folder in there and then with one click, it would just open up that folder's finder window. Yeah, exactly. And the whole metaphor was, I mean, it, it was just a direct copy of how things worked for the Apple menu, where you could customize what items appeared in the Apple menu in the Apple menu items folder, and they could be... The actual item, but more likely an alias.
1: Uh, so I have memories of the launcher, I think, pretty far back, almost as far back as I can remember. Because, uh, Ed, while your family's uh, first Mac, you said it was the Power Macintosh 6100 series, my family's second Mac was the Performa equivalent, <laughs> the Performa 6115, I think. Uh, so that through basically until. We got Macs that had OS X. Uh, my family grew up used to having that launcher. I, this is really sad because it plays exactly into what you read from the Mac Bible, but my mother loved it. I remember she would, she's like, oh, I can just click once here and it opens uh, like Excel or whatever she needed to work in.
0: A little bit later on, my grandfather, my grandparents got a Performa and it was, oh, it was a real piece of garbage, unfortunately. I, I mean, I think they they just got a bad machine. Like one of the you know one of the things about the performer was it came the whole package with the monitor and everything and the monitor that they got was like a dud and as soon as it went out of warranty it basically broke and just spontaneously the red channel of the rgb would go out and everything would turn green and it was like a loose connection or something inside because if you whacked it actually hit the, physically hit the side of the monitor sometimes it would come back <laughs> I fought with that computer a lot, but my grandfather was the one, my grandpa was the one who primarily used it. And yeah, I remember that, you know, if we set up anything new for him that he wanted to use, it went in the launcher. And, you know, I was the one who knew, oh, you put an alias in the launcher items folder. But then he knew that every time he started up the computer, we had... Uh, an alias of the launcher in startup items. So that window would appear automatically. It would be right there. And he would have access to all the things that he needed. And it's, you know, it's a lot like today with Mac OS X, you say, oh, I need this at one click, at a glance access, where does it go? Put it in your dock."
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: And so, you know, the launcher was a window full of these square buttons, whereas the dock is actually in some ways more limiting because it's just you know one single strip of icons along uh, the side of your screen, but it's a very similar metaphor, and it's something good to have. You know th- That feature ought to be in any good operating system. I need quick access to something. I want to be able to customize what things I have quick access to, put them in or take them out, and then get access to them with one click. So In that respect, the launcher was, you know, a really good feature, maybe even ahead of its time.
1: And unlike at ease, the launcher from its introduction was kept as a part of the Mac OS all the way through the end of the classic Mac OS. Uh, But there was something that I noticed that really bugged me. I don't know if it bugged anybody else. Uh, But in OS 9, all of the control panels became full-fledged applications and like really this had no effect on anything, but prior to OS nine, they behaved, I guess the analogy I could say is they behaved like classic desk accessories. So they didn't actually have like carved out memory spaces. If you were to go into about this Mac, they were just kind of windows that opened and closed back into their icon. Uh, if you would command tab through things as you could in OS nine, you wouldn't get to, uh, uh, an application space just for that control panel. Well, I guess you would in OS 9.
0: It's like uh, dockless applications today.
1: There you go. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't appear in the application switcher. Uh,
1: all of this is to say that in OS 9, the launcher was its own application instead of being a kind of a, just a window from which you launched applications.
0: Masquerading as a finder window, not actually, though.
1: Yeah, and I know that once I could do the, uh, the command tab to page through the application switcher, I, I did it all the time. Uh, And it bugged me to be kicked to just the launcher if I wanted to go from, like, Internet Explorer to Word or something like that. So I made a pretty stupid hack to get around it, and I stopped using the launcher control panel itself and instead made my own finder window that contained all the aliases I usually used. Um, And I would pin it to the bottom of the screen using the pop-up window method that I think was introduced in... OS 8 or 8.5.
0: Yeah, it was one of those. It was definitely an OS 8 point something.
1: Yeah, and I would take it one step further and use the button view. So instead of icon view or list view, there was actually an option to have it view as launcher or at ease-esque buttons. And that's how I did it.
0: Yeah, and, and that was actually, you know, that's a pretty cool trick, actually, because it gets out of your way, except when you need it. And then, you know, you were two clicks away from anything. Show the window and then and then hit the one relevant button. It was interesting the way that those buttons sort of crept through the operating system. So in system early System 7, you would pretty much have to be running at ease to ever come across them for any reason. Then in System 7.5, everybody had access to the launcher. So everybody had access to one window that, like I said, was sort of pretending to be a finder window, but not actually that had buttons in it. And then later on, somebody decided, hey, this is useful enough that maybe we should be able to make any window behave this way. And then you could set any window in MacOS 8.5 to be in be basically its own launcher. And then that went away. that button mode never made it to Mac OS 10. And so you were back down to, well, we got column view instead.
1: Yeah. And then later, cover flow.
0: And then later, not cover flow. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But yeah, that was basically it for this kind of launching paradigm in the classic Mac OS. And then, of course, we move into OS X. And we've already talked about some of the parallels there with the dock, obviously. Um, And then in 10.7 Lion, which was Apple's big back to the Mac. We got Launchpad, which brought the the what they you know we're bringing the Springboard interface from iOS back to the Mac. When really they brought the same single easy launcher process back from previous versions of the Mac.
0: Yeah, there are some interesting differences I think between say Springboard on iOS and Launchpad, which is really very similar on on OS X and these button views that were in. At ease, and then later in the finder. Because in At Ease, one of the things that it does is very much like iOS, which some people really complain about the fact that the icons go across the screen until they fill a row, and then they go to the next one, and then the next one, and you can't visually organize your icons.
1: Yeah. They're stuck to the grid.
0: Not only stuck to the grid, but if you add one or remove one, all the rest just reflow and stay at the top of the page. So in at ease, that was how it was. I think that you could sort them like a finder window. You could, you could say sort by date modified or sort by name, name being the default. But you know, if you had seven icons and five fit across the screen, you would have a row of five and a row of two. And just no way around that, if that was how many things you had. And you know, people have complained about that in iOS forever. Yeah. Basically. But at least in iOS, from the beginning, we had the option to rearrange icons wherever we wanted. And in at Ease, you had those global sorts, but other than that, you could not even rearrange icons into the place that you wanted. So it was a very limiting system in that way, not only just limiting in terms of your access to the file system and some of the other more complicated features of the Finder, but the fact that you might not even really be able to organize your files in a way that made sense to you, especially if you were limited to a single folder sorted by name or something like that. And that makes the iOS Springboard seem, even from you know iPhone OS 1, seem pretty liberating because you could at least push and hold on things and enter wiggle mode and move them around.
1: Right. The iOS springboard launched in a way that you can still, I mean, it's still pretty much the same today in iOS 8. You have wiggle mode. We got folders maybe in iOS 4. But other than that, there haven't been very many changes to the basic concepts of navigating and uh, rearranging your application icons.
0: And even in at ease, I just, this just occurred to me, you know, in Springboard, you swipe between your screens. And then the only place that that sort of moved was in, was it, It was in iOS 7 that you could then swipe in folders as well.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So you could have a folder with more than 12 items in it, although you can still only see nine of them, even on an iPad, even on a full-size iPad, which is... (laughs) <laughs> so dumb. Uh, but I digress. Um, but that was how it worked in at ease, too. I mean, obviously, you weren't swiping between your your folders, but if you accumulated enough items in either your putrid pink folder or your blue folder, uh, little arrow buttons would appear at the bottom, and you would page through, and it would tell you page 1 of 3, page 2 of 3, page 3 of 3.
1: Mm-hmm. The launch pad in OS X... Uh- looks very similar. It's it's clearly patterned after the iOS Springboard. But it's such a disconnect from those of us who have used the various incarnations of the Mac file system that it's never sat right for me. And uh there are even little inconsistencies within how I would expect something like Launchpad to work that uh I really just don't bother with it.
0: Yeah and I think that people who want a simplified experience so people are so used to using the dock now. If if you've been using the Mac for any period of time, so they just go with that and launch what is it launchpad. Pad. Everyone gets it wrong, man. Yeah, there's launch bar,
1: there's launcher.
0: <laughs> and I and I use launch bar all the time. Launchpad, you know, it appeared in the dock and people went, "What is this?" And most people don't add things or remove things from their dock. So it just sits there taking up a space, but people don't click on it and say, oh, this is really useful. This is going to replace the dock for me. No, the dock is the home of everything on OS 10.
1: Yeah. Launchpad itself is a mode that you have to get to. It's not something that like you did with your grandpa, you can have the Mac boot into or have ready on startup.
0: Which is, I think that's a good thing, to be honest. Yeah. We sort of sort of fear the day that that becomes an option, because once it becomes an option, it could become the default.
1: <laughs> that's a very good point. But say there was someone out there who would prefer to... Uh...
0: Well, I guess, I guess you could put it in startup items, right? It's just an application. So you could just put it in startup items, and it would eventually, at some point in the boot process, come to that. I have so many startup items that... <laughs> Who, who knows you know, it, I see the you know we used to get the march of extensions across the bottom of the screen from left to right. Now I get the march of menu bar icons from right or from right to left across the top of the screen until bartender loads and then it
1: slurps them all back <laughs> down. well, even if you could boot into Launchpad, you would launch your first application from it, and then when you're done with that application, you're taken back to the regular finder like it's not a persistent way of interacting with your computer. It's something that has to be triggered either by the startup or by clicking on the icon in the dock or doing a hot corner or the dedicated stupid function key. Uh, you always have to be thinking to go into that.
0: When, when did that dedicated stupid function key come around? I mean, it must have been the first major release of keyboards and MacBooks after Launchpad was introduced. In Lion, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here in front of a 2009 MacBook Pro and you know, no such thing. Although I do have a dashboard key.
1: <laughs> that's that's a topic for another episode. <laughs> I have the 2011 MacBook Air, which I think came, that was the first one that came with Lion. It has it on it, F4.
0: Yeah, F4 is my dashboard key. Yeah. My my more recent MacBook Air is in the other room, so I don't know what it looks like.
1: <laughs> I never use those keys, so I'll be honest. Oh, same here. Anyway, like that's one big thing I have with Launchpad is it's, it's something you would always have to remember to go to in order for it to help you get to the place you actually want to be. And then second, the Launchpad environment uh, at least begins as being mapped to your applications folder in the same way that the launcher control panel is mapped to launcher items. But you can make changes in the Launchpad view that are not mirrored back in your applications folder. So now you end up managing two separate environments. And, uh, if you enable the wiggle mode in launch pad, you know, you may organize your icons in a way that they won't be necessarily when you go back to your applications folder, where they may be automatically sorted by name or date or whatever, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's weird. It's too weird to me.
0: Can we also take a moment to talk about the Sparkly applications?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Congratulations. You bought something or you updated something and it's magic.
0: I invoked Launchpad for the first time, gosh, who knows, ever today just to take a look at it. And one of the applications that was in there that was Sparkly was AirMail, which is my mail client. And yeah, there was an update that I installed like, I don't know, two, three days ago, but I've been using that app since then. I haven't clicked on it in Launchpad, obviously, but there it is sitting with its magic sparkles, <laughs> which, you know, y- you try to make the experience easy and simple, and then there's something distracting like that that may not even be functioning how it's supposed to.
1: Far be it for me to tell Apple how they should do it, because I also have problems with the blue dot in iOS that often cuts off the file name.
0: They haven't quite figured that one out. But I think you know, I think we can say that they've been trying to figure out this sort of grid of buttons interface for 20 years now. And I don't think it's going away because it, if they thought that this was the accessible way to use your Mac in System 7 and System 8 and Mac OS 9 and then it made a jump over to iOS and now it's come back, I think that you know one click buttons to launch things and to have a you know flattened sort of structure this is something that's been part of what they conceive of as a core simple user experience and it's going to be iterated on again and again
1: until the day when we are the dads and eventually the grandfathers and it's the only way that we'll understand how to use the computers of that far off future. Like, what
0: do you mean? You click on things. That's not how we. That's not how we do it, Granddad. <laughs> do we have anything else to say about at ease or buttons in general?
1: The only thing I can think of is kind of is it's a, it's a reach, uh, and it's dealing with current news as we record, which is not the usual way we do it. So,
0: hey, throw it in there.
1: There have been these rumors of the 12-inch MacBook Air that's coming out, and you know there we could talk. And everyone's talking about it. We could talk about so many features of it. But uh, one thing is that they're claiming the trackpad will not have uh, the ability to be physically depressed and have tactile button feedback. And it's going to move to just tapping as if it were an iOS device. Uh, the, I think in all the things we've talked about, certainly with at ease and launcher, it wasn't just that your mouse could you could single click with the mouse. But uh, the the animation of the button was, you know, it had the skeuomorphic raised with, uh, you know, like there's a light source that was making the button 3D and the... It's
0: beveled. It's beveled, and thank you. Yeah, it's, it's beveled and it's protruding out of the screen at you like an actual button. And when you click on it, it switches the bevel and the optical illusion is that it's been pushed in depressed. Yeah,
1: exactly. And if you wanted to both in At Ease and Launcher, I, I know that there were the sound effect of a button being clicked that accompanied it. So it was, it was the whole sensory experience of clicking a button. So I wonder that if Apple does move in a direction where these parts of the button-clicking experience go away, like the actual tactile experience of pushing a button down, the audio response of knowing a button's been clicked, uh, if those go away, will they... Abandon the metaphor entirely? I don't know.
0: Well, it's kind of gone in Yosemite, too, with just regular, say, dialogue buttons. I think they just sort of, you know, turn a darker shade. They don't really, you know, they they don't look completely flat, but they don't have that in and out sort of state status to them. So, yeah, it's a way of the buttonless future. (laughs) Steve only wanted one. Yeah. Well he was a front mouser, so you know. <laughs> and actually, you know, I've I've always resisted when whenever I get a new Mac, I go in and I turn off the tap feature on the trackpad and always use the clicks until a couple months ago on my old sad aging MacBook Pro, the uh the trackpad actually won't click down properly in one corner anymore, so I had to go enable the taps. And I did it on my work computer, too, which has a perfectly clicking trackpad. And I'm happily tapping away and wondering why I did it that way for years and years. So who knows? Maybe they got it all right. I think that wraps it up for this episode. As always, you can go and find show notes, screenshots, links to all the things that we talked about on our website, which is simplebeep.com. You can also send us feedback either directly from the website or if it's short feel free to talk to us on Twitter
1: at Simple underscore Beep. And I'm on Twitter at Bsuto, B-S-U-T-O. And I'm on
0: Twitter at ecormony E-C-O-R-M-A-N-Y. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Clicky-clicky.